If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Fact. Over 700 people have been killed by the hands of the police just this year alone. I'm Catherine Sheffield, host of the weekly podcast, A Few Bad Apples. Each week, I unravel true stories of victims whose lives have been affected by bad apple officers of the law. I bring this relevant conversation into the public spotlight because it's a way to provoke change and reform. Not all officers are bad, and in fact, I highlight a positive story at the end of every episode to balance the spectrum. A Few Bad Apples is available wherever you get your podcasts. It makes me wonder if these people even understand the word diversity. Ding, 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 ding. Question of the day. Oh, what prize do I win? More fun facts about white privilege. Yay. (laughs) I like facts. This is a good prize. I love these things. Hi, Allie. You said you were ready. Don't lie. I'm sorry. My throat is still (laughs) fucked. So, hey, Celeste, how goes it? It goes well. How about you? It goes. You know, I love your face. I love yours. I just want to start this recording session by saying how much I love your face, and I'm so glad that we're together, and I missed you so bad. We were literally apart a week. I hated it. I hated every single (laughs) second of it. It was the worst week of my life, easily. (laughs) Wow. I hate that it snowed yesterday. Oh my God. Oh my God. Real, real. Can we acknowledge that we woke up today with snow on the ground, and it didn't stick? But it was there. It stuck here. Oh, did it? Yeah, until like noon. Oh, no. It was gone by like 10 at my house. Hmm. Welcome to Wisconsin. You know, serial killers and snow. That's what we have. That's actually now the theme of Wisconsin. (laughs) Hey, guys. Welcome back to Taboos. Welcome back. We're so happy to have you. If you're new here, we are a podcast that discusses taboo topics and taboo culture that society would probably rather we don't. Along with drinking. Along with drinking. Cheers to drinking. What are we drinking today, Allie? I am drinking what you have affectionately called... Um, <laughs> Old man beer. Yeah, but... So, oh, you call it supper club beer. Supper club old man beer. I don't know if I've ever actually seen or heard Shinerbach ordered in supper clubs, so I would like to <laughs> protest that, but I'm drinking Shinerbach. You protest away, baby. What are you drinking? I am drinking a 14 hands carb... Carbon? What the fuck? Yeah, carbon. Carbon. Cabernet Sauvignon. It's my favorite. Uh, just cheap, easy, good, red easy i love this shit is it easy so easy excellent it's like 10.59 a bottle and you say that i'm not fancy with my old man beer Allie, you drink that old man beer get it girl (laughs) (laughs) 
You guys, I need you to know how excited I am that you're here today with us as we kick off No Fucks Given November. ba ba bam So... Up until now, our topics have been relatively... Uh, docile. Light-handed, yeah. Docile. Mm-hmm. Docile is a good word for it. Mm-hmm. So, um... We're about to fuck some shit up. Yeah. Really. We're ready for the hate mail. We've been plotting this moment since before we actually got microphones for our podcast. <laughs> but for real... We do have some really important shit that we want to talk about. Agreed. So that's this. May I tell everybody the premise of No Fucks Given November? Well, yeah, of course. (laughs) I'm so excited. So the premise of No Fucks Given November is actually going to be a series about race. So every week this month, every Thursday, we will be releasing an episode that has to do with a race. And we're going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. We're going to talk about races, maybe racism, maybe just culture as a whole. Just in general, we are talking about some shit that somebody is going to be uncomfortable with us talking about. Like, that's what it is. Yeah, I would say how certain things in society impact certain races. Agreed. So I thought it appropriate to start No Fucks Given November with our own race. I love this plan. Also, I think it's important to start here because honestly white people really fuck it up for everyone else for the most part yep i just (laughs) i mean really i think that's real so today what we're talking about is white privilege i have a couple things that i want to just include in the disclaimer so this is our disclaimer okay this is it this but it's a multifaceted disclaimer so just chill out take a deep breath hang in there with me what i think is important about this conversation to recognize up front is that this is nothing to be defensive about. White privilege is real. It exists. If you're white, you have it. Period. Point blank. There is no question about it. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you're a bad person. That doesn't mean that you're racist. It doesn't mean that you're hateful. It doesn't mean that you are claiming that you're better than anybody else. It is an inherent thing that you have because society has put you on a pedestal simply because you're white. It's literally unavoidable. It is. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. So if you have an issue going into this episode with us, with us talking about white privilege and how very fucking real it is, I suggest you stop listening to this episode. I just, I'm going to throw that out there, okay? If you feel defensive about this conversation and this topic, I highly suggest valuing your own inner peace and just just turning us off, okay? I think that's a good disclaimer. Thank you. I have really thought about that a lot because I don't know how to go into this without saying that. No, because as we learned in Satanism, we have the right to offend people and people have the right to also do their own thing exactly. and not be offended. Exactly. Cheers to Satanism. Cheers. So the other facet of this conversation that I I think is really important is I am not here belittling. I am not here lecturing. This is not an argument. Again, we're just having an open conversation about something that's real that we have no control over. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean, however, that we do not have control over our privilege. And that is really this conversation. That's it. That's what I want to talk about today. All right. Are we in a good place to do that? Yes. All right. I, what? <laughs> that was, Are you comfy? I'm comfy. I don't know. I don't understand what any of that meant, but okay. I don't either. Are, I, are we in a good place? <laughs> Are we ever not in a good place for serious conversations? We're always in a good place for serious conversations. Are you 
dear listener, in a good place for a serious conversation. There we go. That made more sense. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. You have about three seconds to shut off this episode if you're not interested in hearing about white privilege. Three, two, one. Let's talk about the definition of white privilege, shall we? Hit me. The definition of white privilege, according to tolerance.org, there's a lot of definitions, okay? But this was the one that I thought was the, the best, honestly. Okay. And I liked it because they broke it down. According to tolerance.org, the two-word term packs a double whammy that inspires pushback and defensiveness on both points. The word white quote-unquote, creates discomfort among those who are not used to being defined by their own race. I'm going to stop right there because the first flag of white privilege is exactly that. The first flag of white privilege is that we as white people are not defined as white people. We're not. I mean, we are. That is our race. But when people talk about us or we talk about ourselves, Mm. I'm not running around here like, I'm a white woman. I don't do that shit. Yeah. I don't owned and I am not proud of being a white woman to the extent that that is part of my identity. Mm. My race has nothing to do with my identity. Mm. But in other cultures, that's not how it works. And we're going to talk about all that. But Mm. that is the first piece that I just thought was so important and so interesting. And honestly, I had never recognized it as that until I was looking at this definition. Mm. The word privilege, especially for poor and rural white people, sounds like a word that does not describe them. A word that suggests that they themselves have never struggled, which also we're going to get into isn't true. That's not real. I want to start on that privilege concept because in the conversations that I have had as a white ally trying to educate other white people to their privilege, to the beauty of other races, to the beauty of seeing every color on the spectrum, to all of that, okay? Mm -hmm. In that conversation that I've had, I think the biggest piece that comes up over and over and over is the privilege piece. So I really want to talk about that for a second. The definition of of mine, we will get into later of what what I am talking about when I say privilege, what you're talking about when you say privilege, but specifically the broad scope, especially according to this definition, privilege meaning socioeconomic standing, all right? So this made me very curious. And I went and looked at some poverty rates. According to KFF.org, based on 2019 data nationally, mm-hmm. I found some numbers. And I thought you'd really appreciate some numbers because you are our numbers and statistics. Okay. Mm-hmm. So would you prefer to hear about some numbers first or some percentages first? Well, percentages are numbers, so... <laughs> You guys, I tried to come to this episode like really fucking prepared and make her really proud of me with the fucking statistic research that I did and she still gives me shit. Give me statistics first. Okay. So according to KFF.org, like I said, 2019 data, there are 328,200. That is the number of white Americans who are below the poverty line. Can you round that up? What was that? 17 million? 17,4. Okay. All right. That's a lot of fucking people. Mm -hmm. We're not denying that. We're not denying that at all. The next highest number is 10.8 with Hispanic Mm -hmm. Americans. The following is 8. mm, We'll round up and say 3. 8.3 million black people. Mm -hmm. The Asian population has 1.8 million and indigenous people have about 515,000 people. What poverty looks like in this country, which is a whole different episode that we are going to have at some point. Yeah. 
But for the purpose of this conversation, let's go back and look at that number one more time for white people, 17.4 million people. Let's go back to, again, that's a lot of people, all right? And conversely, black people, there's 8 million, mm-hmm. 8.3. What people fail to recognize when hearing those numbers is that it is not a fucking pie. Well, yeah. This country is not fucking pie. No, there's more white people than there are black people. Thank you very much for knowing exactly where I was going with that. Because a lot of people happen to overlook that fact when looking at statistics based on their fucking races. Specifically, white people like Mm -hmm. to do this. And I know this because I talk to those white people who say, no, 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 because white people have it so much worse. No, you don't. I'm not saying that white people can't have bad situations. I'm not saying that at all. Everybody is entitled to have bad situations. Everybody's capable of that. Also, it is possible for anyone of any race to get out of that situation. That does not mean, however, that it is easy for all races to do that. So the reason that I wanted to start with the number side is because, like I said, conversely, the percentages are actually what is more accurate to depict what our country looks like from a poverty perspective. So let's start with white people. Do you want to guess how many white people as far as a percentage? Just guess. 12%. Nine. Oh, I actually wasn't too far off. You really weren't. You did good. I'm very, I'm very surprised by that. Good work. White people are actually the lowest on the poverty scale as far as people affected. White people are the lowest on the affected by poverty line, which is 9%, meaning 9% of white Americans are at or below the poverty line. Okay. All right. Next, we have Asian Americans who are at 9.7%. The following is Hispanics at 17.2%. Then we have Black people who are at 21.2%. And lastly, we have indigenous people who are at Mm 24.2%. So even in the numbers, it is statistically proven that there are less white people who are in poverty than in any other race, which kind of, in a way, defeats the argument of white people don't have privilege, just as a whole, right? Because it is proven that white people have more access to the help they need regardless of their income to get them to a place that puts them at or above slightly that poverty line. Well, yes, you and I know that there are more beneficial opportunities in place for white people generally Mm -hmm. than there are for people of color. You're absolutely not wrong. Which is what? Privilege. Privilege. Oh, look at that. You need a handy dandy tablet. I really like my notebook. (laughs) Okay. The next important piece that I want to distinguish before we move any further with this conversation is the difference between prejudice and discrimination. It's a, there is a real difference in those words and it's very important. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know that though. So if you know this and this is redundant, consider it a fun fact and a fun vocabulary lesson that you just are participating in today. But if you don't know this, hear me say they're not the same thing. Prejudice is a preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. So for example, disliking broccoli without ever having tried it, that's a prejudice, okay? I just hate broccoli. Why do you hate broccoli, Celeste? I just do. All toddlers. All toddlers everywhere are prejudiced to broccoli. That's not true. Tiny loves broccoli. So is Moose, actually. (sighs) 
Our children are better than we he are. He eats it like he eats it like ice cream. Oh my god. It's weird. She doesn't eat it like that, but she will if I put broccoli in front of her, I have no issue getting her to eat it. Yep. None. So that's amazing. Yay, we did something right as Yay, parents. Woo. We did so good. I love us. Discrimination, on the other hand, is the unjust or prejudicial treatment of different categories of people or things, especially on the grounds of race, age, or sex. So to go back to our broccoli example, driving through a field of broccoli with a gas can and lighting that field on fire because you have decided that you have this prejudice against broccoli, that's discrimination. Did you write down this analogy? I did because I was (laughs) really trying to take it away from race even yep. though the whole premise of this episode is about race. Yep. But I really wanted it to be like tangible. I yeah. wanted it to be easy for you to get this visual as a listener for somebody who might not know the difference between the two words. So what you're saying is prejudice is not necessarily with some sort of forethought in it and bias is... Wait, what? Prejudice is without... <laughs> <laughs> prejudice doesn't necessarily have forethought an intent to it, whereas having bias does. I don't know where you're getting is, the word bias. Either. What's the other word? Discrimination. Thank you. Wow. Here I'm worried about you guys listening to this episode <laughs> and really... <laughs> whereas discrimination has intentional purpose to it. Yes. And so drive. really, you could be prejudiced, but not guilty of discrimination. Yeah. However, you cannot be guilty of discrimination without prejudice. Yeah. So they are, in fact, mutually exclusive in one direction. Not both, but in one. And that's really important going into this episode because a lot of people, in my experience, who are in denial of white privilege typically have a very real degree of prejudice. What they get upset about is the perception that me saying or you saying or anyone saying, bro, that's white privilege, is that we mean they're being discriminatory. It's not the same thing. Yeah. So chill the fuck out, Mm -hmm. first and foremost. So with that being said, I would really like to get into the hierarchy, the pyramid, quite literally, of white supremacy. And I know that sounds big and scary. However, white privilege is deeply rooted in white supremacy. Mm -hmm. Without white supremacy, white privilege wouldn't exist. So in order for us to really dissect white privilege, we need to dissect white supremacy. Okay. All right. So I got this pyramid from equityinstitute.org. So we're going to start at the bottom of the pyramid with indifference. Okay. Okay. What does indifference look like, Celeste? Right? That's what you're asking in your head? Yeah, that's exactly what I was I know. I I could tell from your face. So indifference looks or sounds like the following. Politics don't affect me. There are two sides to every story. Not challenging racist jokes. Remaining apolitical or avoiding confrontation with racist family members or friends. That's what indifference looks like. Mm -hmm. What I really want to share with our listeners and also with you, even though you know this and have been a part of my journey, but I think it's really important to admit this. Mm -hmm. I have in my life been of the position of indifference. Mm -hmm. I have also been guilty of minimization, which is the next level. But I want to start by saying this. I was there. Oh yeah, same here. And that wasn't my fault. Although it wasn't my fault doesn't excuse that I was there. 
And also, I want you guys to hear me say it's okay that you were once there. Mm -hmm. What's really important is how you chose or choose to move forward. Mm -hmm. So in our empath episode, I talked about this spiritual awakening that I had as an empath as I watched the George Floyd video. I also had this drastic awakening in that moment where my white privilege blinders were completely ripped off and I needed to make it my fucking mission to study different cultures and Mm -hmm. diversity and to expand that horizon because especially where we are from, welcome to Wisconsin, the worst rated state with the number one segregated city in the fucking country is in our home sweet home, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where I come from and saying it's not our fault that we were raised that way, but it is our responsibility To be better. To be better, right. As you listen to this episode, I really want you guys to hear me say, this is something that I am so passionate about. Equity and racial justice and discrimination, these are things that I am passionate about fixing. I mean, seriously, they are. This is important to me. And I want you to know that this previously, at some point in my life, was something I was guilty of. And ignorance, to an extent, is blameless it is. When you choose ignorance, that's different. Agreed. So the next step on the pyramid is minimization. Things like, we all belong to the human race. Why can't we all just get along? It doesn't matter who you vote for. It's just a joke. Calm down. Get over slavery. Not all white people, dot, 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 insert whatever defense mechanism white people want to use to claim that they themselves are not racist. I know a black person. I, that's on my list. <laughs> oh, good. Literally in the, the next bullet point I have says my black friend says dot, 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 mm-hmm. the denial of white privilege, uh, white allies speaking over people of color or before people of color, not believing the experiences of people of color, uh, white savior mentality. All of those things are minimization. Mm-hmm. Okay. So some examples of white savior mentality, which is something that I seriously still struggle with because it's such a fine line. There Mm -hmm. is such a fine line between being a white ally and being a white savior. White savior is bad. White ally is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And a good example of, of white savior mentality is that like viral picture of the black Republicans for Trump that have exactly zero fucking black people in the picture. That's Oh, I don't know this picture you're talking oh, about, it's but so good. I can imagine that. It's, it's really amazing. Hence, notice all my sarcasm in mm-hmm. that. Another example would be a Black Lives Matter movement group with no black people. It's real. You make that face. <laughs> you make that face at me. It's fucking real. Mm-hmm. Diversity groups with no diversity. Diversity groups that only print information in English. Those are examples of white saviorism. What is like what? This doesn't even make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to you because you're sitting there of the perspective of how do I have a diverse group if I only have white people? So this other thing that I wrote about white saviorism is white savior complex is a form of colonization. White people believe that they are quote unquote helping, but they only want to help in their way with their experiences with the information that they have as white people with privilege. Mm -hmm. So to your point of I don't understand diversity without diverse people, that's that's exactly what defines a white savior complex is 
I know what's best for these people. I know how to help these people. I know what these people need. I'm going to implement that to help. That's fine. Helping is fine. But what you don't understand is what black people need. Mm -hmm. What you don't know is what Hispanic people need. What you've never experienced is what Hmong people have lost. Those concepts are completely oblivious to you. So you as a white woman, I as a white woman, Karen as a white woman, Michael as a white man cannot come in and say, let's form a diversity group and this is it. Now we're here. This is the board. Ready, set, go. Yeah. That's fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. If you as a white listener are listening to that and you don't understand why that doesn't make sense, rewind, play again, because honestly, there's no more explanation that's needed. If you don't have diversity in a diversity group, you don't have diversity, mm-hmm. point blank, period. And then you have white saviorism. It's like trying to go in and fix a sport without knowing anything about the game. Yeah, that's like, oh, I would love to reinvent football and make it better for everyone and more equitable for everyone, except, um, oh, look, they just made a home run. Okay, the fuck are you doing at our fucking football game then, Shirley? I like how you just took what I said and turned it into like this live thing. <laughs> what i'm just so serious about this the next level of the pyramid is veiled racism this is where it starts to get obvious but at the same time this is where this is the very like gray level this is where shit could go like with somebody with white privilege would say no 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 that's not that's not it at all but like really again we're talking about the pyramid of white supremacy which is literally why white privilege exists this gray area in the middle i think is the most arguable area from a white person's perspective so some things that uh align in the veiled racism is tone policing tokenism racist jokes victim blaming eurocentric curriculum shout out to the american education system claiming reverse racism cultural appropriation paternalism and i did not know what paternalism meant do you isn't it well has nothing to do with paternity Oh, then no. I didn't. Okay. I thought it had something to do with paternity too. So you're not dumb. I totally love you. You're beautiful. I had to look it up also. So paternalism is the policy or practice on the part of people in the position of authority to restrict the freedom and responsibilities of the subordinate to them in the subordinate's quote unquote best interest. So examples being like wearing your fucking seatbelt or a helmet being required on a motorcycle or even a bike. Although those things make sense, it is still your choice to do them or not. Mm-hmm. The fact that it is against the law to not wear your seatbelt is an example of paternalism, which I did not know. Wait, the law to wear your... Okay, hang on. You're saying there there are examples of paternalism that can be attributed to racism. Oh, yeah. Okay, I was confused because I was like, but wearing your seatbelt is good for everybody. (laughs) Yes, but the fact that it's a law removes that it is your choice to wear the seatbelt. That's saying that whoever decided, the police have decided that you, Allie, are required to wear your seatbelt for your safety defeats the purpose of your free will to choose if you want to wear your seatbelt or not. It is paternalism that they are telling you to wear your seatbelt against your free will because they have said that it's good for you. It is good for you. Mm-hmm. That's not the argument, okay? I'm not anti-seatbelt. I wear my seatbelt every fucking time I get in the car. I've never not worn my seatbelt. 
What I'm saying is though, the concept of somebody else telling you what is good for you and then making it a fucking law, that is paternalism. And that is perspective and a piece of white supremacy. I get what you're saying. I think I would need examples of that specifically in relation to racism to better understand that particular piece. But that's fair. Anyways, please continue. What about banning certain drugs and the direct correlation between those drugs that are banned and the races that are very significantly affected by those drugs and those in in crime rates, right? Weed. Mm -hmm. Marijuana is one of the number one offenses that gets black people put in jail well yeah the war on drugs is a whole whole thing whole fucking thing okay but even the fact that you said the war on drugs there is so much political bullshit Mm. behind that philosophy that actually has nothing to do with drugs at all well yeah it was actually i can't remember what president nixon uh, said that essentially it was used to put black people in Mm -hmm. jail Mm -hmm. yes so this war on drugs concept is paternalism it honest to God is the fact that weed is illegal mm. is paternalism. And although it does in fact affect all races, the number of white people who are in trouble or convicted of seriously serious offenses that are related to weed and time served or time sentenced in relation to weed is drastically lower than the sentences and the charges related to black people, Hispanic people, anybody else, any other race. Yeah, our court system is fucked. So fucked. But also, that's an example of not only paternalism, but systemic racism as a whole. I guess I don't see that as paternalism. I see that as an oppressive government that stemmed from a side effect of a billion different things because I've never... I've never thought of the government saying weed is bad. I don't know. I guess I've just never thought of it that way. So I appreciate that. that Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not done though. There are a few more examples. Other examples of veiled racism are racist mascots. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, everybody's like, duh, but like seriously, fuck racist mascots. Mm -hmm. And also the creme de la creme of this area of this pyramid that I'm just dying to talk about the bootstrap theory are you familiar with the bootstrap theory yes all right dear listeners if you're not familiar with the bootstrap theory let me share with you for just a moment if you were to have a conversation with another white person who argued they do not have white privilege because of x y or z and they have also had it rough which nobody's denying or discrediting at all but then that same person says well i know someone who accomplished this they really pulled themselves up by their bootstraps why can't all black people pull themselves up by their bootstraps why can't all hispanic people pull themselves up by their bootstraps that's the bootstrap theory Mm. all right so i did a little research research on the bootstrap theory because it is the most infuriating theory and piece to me in my experience in having this conversation about white privilege where I'm trying to educate someone who is not hateful but is just ignorant Mm -hmm. because there is a difference between ignorant and hateful. Dear listeners, anybody else? Allie, Maple, Hank, everyone here in this room, do not fucking waste your time with hateful Agreed. Do not do it. Ignorant, although is hateful's little brother, there's still a chance to save ignorance. Mm -hmm. There's still a chance to help that person who is ignorant 
move beyond and see something else. Hateful, don't waste your fucking breath. There is no point. There, that is a ship that is so far sailed. It does not matter what happened, short of, I don't fucking know, a miracle, right? That would cure that person of their hatefulness. Don't waste your time. But ignorance, in my conversations with other white people about white privilege and racism as a whole, the bootstrap theory surfaces every single fucking time and it makes me want to rip my goddamn fucking hair out. Mm. There I said it. There I said it. So, I did some research on the bootstrap theory. Here we go. Here's that. Thank you, notebook. I appreciate you. You guys, Allie told me that I needed to not use a fucking notebook anymore. <laughs> Just saying you could come into the 21st century. I love my special guest notebook. The bootstrap theory is a theory that exists because of systemic racism. These are just my notes. This is what I wrote down. I am going to read my notes because I really did spend so much time formulating this thought and I don't want to fuck it up because I'm having a casual conversation. I'm just going to read this. Okay. The bootstrap theory explained highly depends on the opportunities available to climb the socioeconomic ladder. Meaning picture a ladder as we have this conversation. The flaw with the bootstrap theory is that other races have the same opportunity to reach one or any of the rungs on that ladder. The solution to the bootstrap theory is equity, which would require white people allowing there to be equity within our society. So for all those white people who say or believe this concept of this bootstrap theory and that black people or brown people or any people should just bend over and pick themselves up by their bootstraps, don't understand that they themselves are part of the fucking problem. Mm -hmm. Without equity, which is not the same as equality, and I'm not going to super spend a lot of time on that, but I am going to hit it at some point. Without equity, they cannot even fucking find their boots, let alone get to the ladder to start climbing, to achieve the level of socioeconomic standing that even the fucking poorest of white people are granted immediately. It's not the same conversation. So this bootstrap theory is such an insult to me as a white ally and also to people of color, even successful people of color who have found their way, who have fought and overcome all of those obstacles. It doesn't matter though. The fact that you're lumping an entire race of people into this bucket and saying, find your boots and pull yourself up from them is absolute bullshit. When the system is built to deny those people the ability to do that. Do you have an example of like, for instance, I'm thinking of people who use that term in a manner where they're not trying to be derogative Mm -hmm. or where they're speaking from personal experience and uh, where they have come from an area of extreme poverty where no handouts were given Mm -hmm. and where life was extremely rough Mm -hmm. and there were no opportunities. They didn't have bootstraps either i either yep i hear you i hear you and i have really sat with that too Mm -hmm. i have because i understand and i know that that's real and i'm not discrediting those people who feel that way or have experienced that level of poverty or struggle or anything my resentment before was to people who genuinely deny that this exists Mm -hmm. now what we're speaking to and i'm very glad that you proposed and that you brought up in my opinion it is more in the vein of although those people still struggled or struggle i'm not sure of the situation Mm -hmm. right because we're not talking about anyone specifically but in that position although fucking awful and i empathize i'm that breaks my heart that anybody anybody of any color could ever be in that position 
breaks my fucking heart. Mm. The difference though is I go back to color does matter in that situation. The concept that as a white person, although the boots might not be perfect and they might not fit correctly and they don't really tie up right and they leave you with blisters, that's still an option. Nobody's telling you you can't have boots at all. Nobody is standing in your way of you finding a pair of boots. With people of color, that is the case. There is no boots in sight at all, period. Mm. And in having conversation with some of my black friends about this, specifically my friend Mo, shout out to Mo, absolutely could not have done this episode without his input and his perspective and all of his help. He helps me with all kinds of episodes. Also, he's in our trailer. We love you, Mo. We do. I thought a really important quote from the conversation that I had with him about specifically the bootstrap theory was... I just point blank. I was like, Mo, if I, as a white person, said to you this concept of the bootstrap theory and whatever, what would you say to me? What what would be your position on that? I genuinely want to hear what you have to say. And he said, every time we bend over to even find the boots to pull ourselves up from, we get kicked in the fucking ass. Mm. In my experience, in my perception, although life sucks for everyone nobody is intentionally kicking white people in the ass when they bend over to find their boots they don't that's not how it works it's just not and that's part of this colonizing disgusting fucking heritage of our country that literally the foundation of our country is that other people are beneath us we must do it our way and better and we will help the people who look like us do it our way and better fuck everyone else so from my perspective and knowing towns that are dying when there are literally no opportunities Mm -hmm. for people of any color whatsoever. There's really bad drug issues within these towns. Yep. And everybody within those towns are impacted. So bootstrap theory is equitable on a level within those towns. But when approaching that sort of conversation, when talking about those specific instances, which are very, very specific and to those exact situations, Mm -hmm. I think one way to also think about it is one way to get out of those situations is to get out of those towns. Mm -hmm. White people would have an easier time getting out and getting to a new opportunity. Not only that, but what I specifically want to say to that, which is such a valid point, and thank you for saying that, but what I want to say to that is exactly that. White people can get up and move. They can move to another place. They can have a new opportunity. Do you know what a black person can't do? They cannot shed their skin. They cannot change their color. It doesn't matter where they go. The fact that they have this on the outside will affect them no matter where they are. Same with anybody of any other race. White people, to your point, could just pick up and leave. Black people could pick up and leave too, but they're just going to go somewhere else where they're still black. Yeah, I was talking about a town where the color, like where everybody really truly had a level playing field where the town was just on its way dying. Sure, and which I hear, but I do think it's important to acknowledge in that example of your saying the town is dying everyone is on the same level of this bootstrap theory because the rung is so low for where they live right that did i understand your position correctly yeah okay so in understanding your position i do i go back to in that town which is sad in a whole different fucking way and we will have episodes we will talk about this we're Mm going to talk about all kinds of shit food deserts poverty, homelessness, all of that shit, you guys. We were not kidding when we meant we're about to hit you with some heavy shit. All of that we're going to talk about. But I go back to white people could leave and go somewhere else and start fresh with a new ladder 
that is built better. Black people can leave and start fresh and go to a new town with a new ladder that is built better, but they're still black. Yeah. And society and our fucking country has built its ladder to not benefit black people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To not benefit brown people. That's what I meant. There's going to be more gate peeping. Gate peeping? <laughs> I peep at gates. Dun, dun, dun. About to come out. Peeping alleys. There's going to be more gatekeeping for them to face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're aligned, yeah. but we do have different perspectives on it, which is okay. Yeah. I think my main issue or point is I don't think anybody's stories, no matter what color, should ever be discredited or... Undervalued. Yeah, because they don't fully understand somebody else's side. I think everybody should be encouraged to listen to somebody else with different colored skin or from different socioeconomic opportunities. Just listen. And like share those stories to understand versus saying, I came from this, therefore it's this. We're never going to learn unless we actually listen to what other people have to say. And not not everybody's story is an absolute thing for the world as much right. as we wish it were. No, I hear you and I really appreciate that perspective and you sharing that with me as your best friend, but also with our listeners because to me, it's such a bold line. That is my position It's okay that you have a different position on it. Mm -hmm. Like you're still agreeing that bootstrapping is not a good philosophy, right? But you're offering a different perspective to it. Whereas my perspective is absolute intolerance. Like Mm -hmm. the bootstrap theory should not exist. It's fucking bullshit. What you're saying is it is bullshit, but at the same time, there is validity to it. It does hold value because people experience this. Exactly. So I hear you. I deeply respect that you shared that and I love you so fucking much. It's not even funny. And also I understand what you're saying. This is just one of those things that we just view differently. Again, we're saying the same thing. We just view it different. That's okay. That's literally what this podcast is about. If you haven't picked up yet, that's literally what this podcast is about. (laughs) Welcome to Taboos. All right. So that's what I had on bootstrapping um the next bullet that i want to talk about we are still under minimization is cultural appropriation first thing i automatically think of is gwen stefani and uh gwen stefani no doubt she has a bindi in the music oh video. really yeah oh no oh, Allie's gonna look really quick the first yep. thing that comes to my mind when i think about cultural appropriation is actually the song colored lines by watsky oh Ooh! shout out to george watsky uh this is the second time that we've given you a shout out in our podcast and i absolutely love you and thank you for all that you do as an artist fuck gwen stefani has a fucking bindi mm-hmm. in this picture that we're looking at all right so let's talk about cultural appropriation because there are easily 8.7 bajillion examples that we could come up with uh please note if you have not heard the witchcraft episode we have now deemed bajillion as a metric unit of measure it's scientific don't argue with me we'll take that up in the u.s (laughs) before we take up yards and such in the actual metric system there we go that's what i was looking for yards and such yards and yards and things So again, this was some of the information that I have about cultural appropriation is obviously just common fucking sense. 
but I did have this conversation with Mo. So once again, Mo, love you. Thank you so much for all of your help and always supporting us and loving us and just being you. Thank you. So actually, he's adorable. He came up, or maybe he didn't come up with, but he used this term in our conversation about cultural appropriation, and now I want to use it forever. He called it culture vultures. Nice. I loved it. I absolutely loved it because that's so appropriate. And honestly, for a really long time in that ignorant bubble that I lived in, I didn't understand cultural appropriation at all. Like I heard the term and I heard the George Watsky song about colored lines, but like it all went over my fucking head. I admit that, okay? Mm -hmm. It's okay to admit that. But now that I have had this awakening, you guys, I just want you to know, I hate the word woke. I am woke, but I don't like the word. I just, it's like some people don't like the word moist. For anybody who doesn't like the word moist, I'm really sorry I said the word moist. Oh my god, we just lost like all of our (laughs) listeners. I don't think you understand how many people have a visceral reaction to that word. Okay, so if you hate that word, you know where I'm coming from. I hate the word, I hate the word woke. I do. I just don't like it. I love what it represents. I just don't like the word. So when I say awakened, that's really what I mean because I did, I did become awakened, but I really mean woke. Okay, so the definition of cultural appropriation, aka culture vultures, is this is taking cultures that were not or are not Eurocentric and eliminating credit for that culture and then hating on the members of that culture that it was stolen from. That's cultural appropriation. And hating on them? Yeah. I mean, that's not the actual definition. That's my definition. I rephrased the definition of cultural appropriation because I couldn't find a good one. I I couldn't. I guess I just didn't realize that like people would. It's an extent. Inundate the culture. Let me share with you an example. Let me share an example of this, that this, this occurred to me in my conversation with Mo and I was like, bro, is this real? Is this cultural appropriation? And he was like, fuck yes. I want to hear that in this episode. And I was like, done. So that was how the conversation went. A good example, a very relevant example of cultural appropriation is the song WAP by Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. I literally have still not heard this and I'm probably the only person in the world. Shut your fucking mouth. You have not heard this song? No. (gasps) I love this song. I know every single word. I literally can rap every single fucking word. I am not going to do it on this podcast, but hit me after this podcast you and i are gonna have a conversation about this mm, i'm excited you know how i rap <laughs> jesus <laughs> you know how much i love to rap save me don't do it she's in for a treat so wap by cardi b and megan the stallion is under so much fucking fire right now in pop culture in the world in whatever even though the song is absolute fucking fire and is so empowering to women it actually hurts my fucking brain i love it even though those things are true this song is under so much fucking hate because women should not be allowed to express their sexuality period oh yeah of course not of course not okay that's an anti-woman thing which is a different episode but Hear me say this. Why it's cultural appropriation is because Madonna, if you know who that is, literally built her career on sexualizing herself and her fucking music. Mm -hmm. And who hated on Madonna? I have no idea. Do you know anybody who doesn't like Madonna? No, I have no idea. I, I don't know anybody. I literally, I know an entire fucking generation of people who fucking 
die over Madonna, oh. who did the exact same thing as Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. Yeah. The difference is Madonna is a white woman and she got to live her artistic expression and do whatever the fuck she wanted and more power to her. Honestly, this isn't me hating Madonna. This is not that. I am saying there is a stark difference between Madonna who used sexualization of women and herself and her own sexual empowerment to further her career, whereas Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion and some hoes in this house did the same exact thing and were not fucking shut down the same way. Madonna was not shut down the same way. I don't know. I can't speak to that because I wasn't around when Madonna lit up and shook the world. But the fact that she's still an icon, she's still iconic for that purpose, I think is what I'm, I'm getting at. I get your point. Another example would be white executives at hip hop labels that have primarily black artists. That's mm-hmm. another example of cultural appropriation because, I mean, essentially, then white people are producing black music and making money off of those black artists or or artists of any color. But specifically, I said hip hop because, again, this was the conversation I had with Mo, who is an artist very talented. We're going to talk about his song later, but that's real. Like white people profiting off of black people for their culture, that's cultural appropriation. Also sounds familiar. Does. Does indeed. Also, Halloween costumes based on other cultures and races, Mm -hmm. cultural appropriation, point blank period. There is no fucking arguing that. Indigenous people are not a Halloween costume. Mm -hmm. Blackface is racist as fuck. That's actually later on the pyramid, I think but either way we're gonna call it out right now because (laughs) fuck anybody who thinks black facing is appropriate or funny or anything those things are examples of cultural appropriation Mm -hmm. on the halloween costume thing though i was really thinking about this and i really want to hear your opinion i am of the position that there are not but this is me asking you Mm -hmm. do you think that there are like quote-unquote white people costumes like i thought about this and i came up with like a lumberjack but that's not a white people costume. Uh, I would say it is. I don't, I would disagree with you because there are people of all kinds of colors who work in lumber, who work in the lumber trade. Yeah, that's true. But I think there's a stereotype for a lumberjack and like, it's a white dude with a beard who's burly, that wears flannel and drinks beer and probably has a Uber accent. (laughs) Honestly, I think any of the members of the YMCA, which is a horrible song, for a variety of different reasons. Yes, it is, Allie. Just so you guys know, in case now I sound different, that part was cut and edited. And the first time I actually choked on my wine because I was laughing and it was pretty terrible. I almost died. So now I sound <laughs> a little different because I had a near-death experience. How'd that feel coming out of your nose? <laughs> it was rough. It was not good. At least your sinuses are clear now. Yeah, Cabernet Sauvignon through the nose. Hard pass. Don't do it. I think I think there are a couple. Mm-hmm. I hear you. But I don't think they're cool. I agree with that, <laughs> like too. Don't think but, like, so. really, I came up with... <coughs> the the ones that I came up with were the lumberjack. Yeah. I came up with priest, even though priests can be other yeah. colors. But, like, I really did. Like, I picture a fucking white dude yeah. as a priest. There was one other one that I thought of that I was like, no. Here's a way to look at it. There <clears throat> are very very few select ones that come with heritage built in but should someone else's heritage be a costume i'm of the position of no but then we remove vikings and all that jazz oh that jazz so good thank you so i hear what you're saying so the next tier of the white supremacy pyramid Let's get back to that. That would be discrimination. Recognize that word? 
I do. Rings a bell? Rings a bell. Jingling. Uh, in the discrimination bucket is racial profiling, the school to prison pipeline, the concept of stop and frisk, redlining, fearing people of color, racial slurs, funding schools locally by tax lines, predatory lending, anti-immigration policies, and hiring discriminations. Those are examples of discrimination. Please notice as we travel up this little fucking pyramid of shit, shit fest, all the fucking feelings. I have so many fucking feelings about this. The things get drastically worse and drastically less deniable and more systemic and significantly more systemic you're a genius you knew exactly where i was going with this come on notebook we have more work to do hey steve where's blue blues clues i got the blues clues that is not how that song goes i don't fucking remember how the blues clues song wow. goes the fact that i knew what reference you were making. for you <laughs> we've got some clues uh the next <laughs> Blue sounds a lot like Yoshi, so I can do Blue that Blue does sound a lot like fucking Yoshi. Here I thought I was the only one with good sound effects, and you've just been holding out on me our entire friendship. I can do Yoshi and Blue. That's all I've got. <laughs> oh, I even snorted, you guys. That's gross. I'm so sorry. According to my special guest notebook, the next level is calls for violence. Examples of this would be neo-Nazis, the KKK, using the N-word, the Confederate flag, mass incarceration, swastikas, burning crosses, and... Donald Trump telling Proud Boys to stand by. Proud Boys is actually on my list, so good job. And color criminalization. Sorry, I just had Don't to. be sorry. I love that you knew. Cheers to you. Love of my life. Best friend. Beautiful creature. Cheers to you for knowing exactly what was going to be on my list without even being a telekinetic moment, which we do have and our listeners have heard. Thank you for knowing. Donald Trump's call out to the fucking Proud Boys is a call for violence. Yep. There is no denying that. There is no getting around that. There is no positive twist that could be made on that. That was fucking racism and a call for violence point blank, period, receipts in hand. Okay, so in the calls for violence, uh, I specifically want to talk about the KKK okay. for a second. Oh, I said K at the end of that. You only said it one time, though. All righty. <laughs> I love us. So I expanded my research a little bit, specifically on the KKK. This information came from Wikipedia. Also, dear Facebook, please don't ever fucking send me ads for the KKK. Are you not using incognito mode? Allie, I do most of my research on my laptop. I know Apple, but there's got to be an incognito mode. <laughs> I don't Apple. There is there is a private mode on my browser, on my phone. There, I have no idea how to find it on my computer. There's definitely, there's definitely something. I highly recommend when searching KKK on your computer to... Use a private Find mode. A fucking private mode. I did this purely for research. If somebody finds me about joining the KKK, I swear to God, shit's gonna pop off. So the KKK is, in my opinion, and anybody who would argue this with me, I would tell you is irrefucking-futable. The KKK is a terrorist organization. Oh yeah, of course. You are of that position. I am of that position. There are people who would not be of that position. And I go back to irrefucking-futable. The KKK is one of the only terrorist organizations that is still allowed to exist in our country mm -hmm. today. Nobody has stopped them. Although they told them to water it down a little bit, nobody shut them down. 
they are still recognized as a religious practice in this country. That's fucking insane. They're a religious practice? They, they claim that, yes. What? Yes, they claim that. They have multiple chapters, which we'll talk about because I did this research and I'm fucking irate about all of it. Here's what I want to say. In my research about the KKK, what I found is actually that Americans as a whole are more at risk of encountering a threat from the KKK than we are of ISIS. You know, that other terrorist group that always makes the news that's like this thing that we're all afraid of that is real, but maybe not as threatening as we think it is. Mm -hmm. Let that sit with you for a second. Seriously. This terrorist group has been in our country since 1860. This fucking terrorist group has operated within our borders. What is that about? What the fuck is that about? That doesn't shock me because Nazis still exist in Germany too. Also bullshit, but here we are cleaning up our own mess before we go policing other people's. I'm pretty sure that was a direct quote of fucking Donald Trump in his first election. Fuck Nazis too. They're on my list. We're going to talk about. (laughs) Seriously, you guys, the KKK is real. It does exist. It is all over this fucking country. Can I tell you that on the 4th of July this year, there was a very real fear in the black community because the KKK had this strategic fucking plan of this mass murder across the country, like a strike down of black people. Mm-hmm. And nobody stopped it. Nobody, nobody, I don't, I don't know if it happened or not, but it was a very real conversation that my friends were very fucking worried about. Yeah. I had friends who refused to go out that entire weekend, would not leave their homes because they were worried. Yeah. The level of fear that as a race, people, as people experience, that's terrorism. That is terrorism. Well, to your point, the fact that they're not called a terrorist organization and just like the group of men that were going to kidnap the governor of Michigan and were just called a militia and not a a terrorist organization Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they were white. Yep. Had anybody else done that, had anybody of any other color done that, it would have been a terrorist organization. Yeah, exactly. That, ladies and gentlemen is white fucking privilege. Kyle Rittenhouse. Mm -hmm. Kyle Rittenhouse, for anybody who doesn't know, which I find very hard to believe, but if you don't know who Mr. Rittenhouse is, he is a 17-year-old boy who killed two people, wounded one severely in Kenosha. Okay? I'm doing my very best to keep my personal feelings about this case and this story out of this podcast because I have very real fucking feelings about it. But just looking at the facts... Kyle Rittenhouse was there because he belonged to a militia group who was white, who made very drastic, very intentional calls of violence, like a fucking yodel horn, and all these little fucking racists showed up in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is a few hours away from us, and were literally just there to fuck shit up. Mm -hmm. They weren't there to protect anybody. They weren't there to help anybody. They were there. Kyle Rittenhouse and his mother were there to go hunting. That is what it is. I am calling a spade a spade. That is what it is. And yet, even now, he's not identified as a member of a terrorist organization 
because it was a militia. If there was a 17-year-old black boy who was walking down the road with an AK and he shot and killed two people and wounded someone else severely, he'd be looking at the fucking death penalty. It doesn't matter what state he was in. Mm -hmm. Period. All of Black Lives Matter movement would have been held responsible for that boy had he been black. But because he was a white boy, nobody is held responsible, Mm -hmm. including Kyle Rittenhouse. So... Additionally, about the KKK, I know I already said this part, but I wrote it down and we had a little side tangent about Mr. Rittenhouse and how absolutely fucking psychotic he is. So, you know, I'm back to this point. I'm starting here. Um, The KKK formed in the late 1860s and as of 2016, there is still an active 9,000 members nationally well that's actually that's actually honestly smaller than i would have thought it is and yet you know i'm not allowing the diminishing of their numbers to in any way sway my opinions about how dangerous they are Mm -hmm. how fucking wrong their group is and that again it's a terrorist organization that is allowed to function within our country. Yeah, I agree. I just for some reason thought the numbers were a lot larger. That's fair. And in different parts of time, they confident were much greater, right? Yeah. But as of 2016, 9,000 members. <sighs> Who knows? It might be fucking higher now. It could be. Or, you know, part of the thing that I was curious about is how valid those numbers are. Like, are members of the KKK continuing to admit on the fucking Census Bureau or wherever this data comes from? Like, are they continuing to admit that they're a member of the KKK? So have those people caught on to that and are now of the position of, I'm just not going to tell anybody I'm in the KKK? It's probably a 50-50 split. I think it is. Like, honestly. I mean, to be fair, though, there is a ex-KKK member that records himself having conversations with members of different races and such Mm -hmm. to like show his healing process i can't think of his name but his videos are super inspiring so the next thank you notebook the next piece of the pyramid is violence remember the first one was a call to violence this is actual violence so that includes lynching unjust police shootings police brutality qualified immunity hate crimes And actual fucking violence. Like, don't fucking be violent. Yeah. Period. Mm -hmm. And then the creme de la creme of the white supremacy pyramid is genocide, a.k.a. mass fucking murder. Mm -hmm. So what's really important to recognize about a pyramid, you guys, which is really what we're talking about here, is without the level below, none of the pyramid exists. The pyramid must stand on every layer of the pyramid to function. So, dear ignorant white people, hear us say you're contributing to the pyramid's existence, whether you want to or not. The fact that people refuse to acknowledge that white privilege exists, that it is harmful, that it does contribute to this hierarchy of white supremacy, literally is just fuel in the tank yeah you can say you hate racists but until you are actively and vocally against racism you are actually just contributing to the problem Mm -hmm. it is not enough to not be racist you must be unapologetically anti-racist yeah that's really my issue with white privilege because i go back to it's inherent for us we can't do anything about that 
I can't take it away. You can't take it away. We just have it. Mm. But it's how we use it that makes it either really powerful and really beautiful or makes it a contributing factor to the very deep, very real, very hateful, painful, disgusting problem that exists in our country today. Yeah. On that, I want to be very clear Racism exists everywhere, okay? Racism is not unique to America. Please hear us say, we know that racism exists in other places. As Americans, however, this is our experience and this is what we indefinitely can speak to. There are also other forms of racism. Okay, so since we got through the pyramid of white supremacy, which... I really genuinely think is super important to understanding why white privilege not only exists, but how dangerous it can be. I think it's important for us to then talk about what does white privilege look like to you? Mm -hmm. So I am going to ask you that question in a second, but I did also take the opportunity to ask some friends of mine what white privilege looks like to them. It was kind of just an open forum. I love open forums. I love you. So open forum style. I just asked on my Facebook, you know, what does white privilege look like to you? And I would really like to share with you some of the answers that I got. And then I want to hear your answer. Okay. And I'll share mine. So my girl, Rebecca W., her response was realizing that the majority of the population in my area look like me. Mm-hmm. that's a that's a white privilege and i would agree with that megan n said white privilege is when i receive a scholarship of a dollar amount and my friend of color who has a higher gpa than me gets less of a scholarship yep also real melissa m said i learned of derogatory names that i had never known about because it was my privilege to not be called them or characterized by them mm-hmm. also fucking real like holy fuck real there are terms In fact, we had this conversation last week in our ghost episode that got cut out completely where you had used a racial term that you didn't know was a racial term. Yeah. Just because you didn't know. Yeah. I didn't use it in reference. No, 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 no. You used it in reference to a ghost. Yeah. But the fact that you had zero concept that that word had ever been used to describe people in a hurtful way is a demonstration of white privilege Mm -hmm. and sad. Just just sad all right i'm not really getting into that i'm just saying like fucking sad and real and i thought that was a really good example our girl kel shout out to kel love Mm -hmm. you so much she said not being able to find a stylist for over a hundred mile radius at least because no one knows how to work with your hair type Mm -hmm. that's an example of white privilege Dear fellow white people, imagine needing a haircut or imagine needing your hair styled for a wedding and you have to go over 100 miles away in any fucking direction to find someone to do your hair. Seriously, sit with that. That's disgusting. Mm -hmm. That's fucking disgusting. Like not only in the sense of not only do more black people need the opportunity to have the education to be certified to be a licensed cosmetologist or hairdresser or whatever route, barber, whatever route they want to take, it doesn't matter. But also white people fucking learn how to work with textured hair. Like Get off your fucking high horse and learn how to work with textured hair. In the community that we live in, I know two white women who know how to work with textured hair. That's it. Two. We live in a community of like over 100,000 people. Two white women. That's it. That's all I know. Otherwise, all of my friends are going to other black people to do their hair, which is amazing, but the availability should still be there. Mm. So it's on us as white people to own that and to educate ourselves 
in whatever that means to you. Like if you want to do hair, awesome, do hair, but like learn how to do it for everyone. Mm -hmm. Not just the people who look like you. There was my soapbox about hair. Janae V said, not having to second guess or feel some type of way about putting my race on a job application, standardized test, home application, loan application, etc. That's also real. Mm -hmm. We are in the 21st fucking century. Why somebody's race is still a box to be checked on any fucking thing is beyond me. I agree. That's absolutely idiotic. And we have definitely said that in this podcast before, but hey, welcome to our white privilege episode. Fuck that shit. Yep. My girl Michaela said, the biggest white privilege to me is when a white person doesn't think that they have privilege. Never having to get even a little bit close to having to go through the things that black people do. Therefore, not even being able to identify the difference in rights, opportunity, etc. <sighs> Michaela. My dearest darling, beautiful friend, thank you for sharing that with us, sincerely. To my position of what white privilege looks like to me, Michaela took the words right out of my fucking mouth. Mm -hmm. My number one thing on the subject of white privilege is when white people deny that they have white privilege. I go back to that, okay? And in my experience... People who are open-minded and and who are not experience, not experiencing prejudice, they are not offended by the concept of white privilege. I'm not offended. Are you offended when we talk about white privilege? What do you mean? Does this term upset you? As in you feel as though you need to defend yourself from this concept? Oh, no. No, okay? That's where I'm coming from. There are so many white people who acknowledge and recognize for better or worse, good, bad, or indifferent, hey, yeah, I'm white. I have white privilege. Again, you guys, we go back to, we can't help it. It's not something we can turn off. I swear to God, if I could relinquish my privilege, I would. I don't want it, but I have it. So I'm going to use it to the best of my ability in whatever way I can to make things equitable. Mm -hmm. That's literally one of my fucking purposes on this planet i know it is so here we are on our podcast as two white women talking openly and honestly about white privilege this is where we start that's why this isn't an argument that's why this isn't a hateful conversation this isn't a finger pointing moment i mean it is to racism and to white people who are racist we are pointing fingers at them but i go back to just because you're white and you have white privilege does not mean that you're racist that's not what i'm saying that's on you to decide for yourself but let me also share with you an immediate flag for me as somebody who has experienced thousands of people in my activism experience the first people to deny that they have white privilege have a sliver of racism in them yeah. It's not scientifically proven because I didn't have my special guest notebook and I wasn't taking notes every time I talked to somebody about this. But let me tell you, the people who immediately jumped on your throat saying, I don't have white privilege, and yet they look like a fucking porcelain doll in the concept of skin tone. Yes, you do. And the fact that you can deny it tells me you have no concept of any struggle outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. That's really the message that I want to capture here. That's what I think is really important. And Michaela hit it dead fucking on. White privilege to me is honestly is so irrefutable no differently than a black man or a black woman cannot deny that they are black you can see it you can see that they're black right you can see that i'm white 
it's the same thing. Like it, it literally is the same thing. Tamar S said that white privilege to me is knowing that because of the color of your skin, you will be given more opportunities and given the benefit of the doubt. Whereas as a black man or woman, I am not given those same opportunities. I think that's also irrefutable. And given that Tamar is a black man, I can't speak to any of that. And that is not only an example of my white privilege, but also as a white ally, I recognize I can't speak to any of that. I have no right to speak to any of that. That's not our experience. And at the same time, I love and support and encourage Tamar and all of the black community because I recognize that. Mm -hmm. Jordan M. said white privilege is that black parents have to have the talk quote unquote, to prepare their children at a very young age for police encounters, mainly out of fear that things could go completely wrong and their child gets murdered at the hands of the police. While I was told to pat my pretty blue eyes and to cry to get out of a ticket. I watched this YouTube video one time as part of my research, as part of my exploration into black history because I I genuinely took it upon myself to educate myself on black history, I have genuinely took it upon myself to educate myself on all different kinds of history, Hmong history, Hispanic history. Those are the two that I'm working through right now, but I really want to understand all kinds of culture and their history and not only in our country, but all over the world, okay? I genuinely want to study diversity. Mm -hmm. It's a very fucking long list and it's a lot to get through. So, This is me admitting I am not an expert on anything. I have a subject matter point of reference for a specific window. I started specifically with black culture because that was my moment of awakening. All right. So if if it feels as though I might be biased towards black people and I favor black people, please hear me say I don't have a favorite. It's just that that was not only where my awakening came from, but also it's what I have to now studied the most. All right. So again, I support and love and encourage everybody of every color without question. If it sounds as though I have a favoritism, I don't. I just, this is my, this is what I know. So I watched this YouTube video one time of black parents explaining to their children how to deal with police officers or explaining to their children encounters that they have experienced with or without their children, the police. Now, before I go further in this story, I need every single one of you to hear me say, I am not anti-cop. I know several amazing police officers. I genuinely do. What I have an issue with is the police. I very strongly disagree with the foundation and the principles of policing. There is a historical background to the concept of policing that is so fucked up and wrong and systemic that I just, I don't agree with policing the way that we do it. I don't. So please hear me say, I don't have an issue with cops. I have an issue with police. Not the same. All right. So this YouTube video was these black parents educating their children about police encounters. Mm -hmm. And this little girl in this YouTube video is talking to her dad and her dad is sharing with her this experience. What we don't understand as white people, because my parents never sat down and had this conversation with me, black people need to educate their children at such a young age, such an innocent, ripe, beautiful age to literally fear the police. Because at some point they stop being children and instead they start being this 
perceived threat. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand at what age that happens. I don't understand at what age their innocence wears off and suddenly they transition from innocent to threat. But as a group in our society, that education is so fucking real. And I watched this video and the whole thing was fucking disturbing and heartbreaking and terrible. But I literally watched this little girl. Her name was Ariel. I, will, I, I still can see her. I will never forget her. Her dad is telling her this story and she's sobbing she's sobbing and her dad says baby why are you crying and she says because i can't imagine my life without you i can't imagine if the police took you from me i never want the police to take you from me and her dad starts crying and he's like i never want to leave you i resonate with what jordan had to say about her experience and what the definition of white privilege means to her because i'm in the same boat as jordan my parents didn't tell me the proper way to handle myself in front of the police my parents didn't tell me how to handle myself in front of the police at all Mm -hmm. the first time i got pulled over i definitely cried and the only crime i've ever committed is speeding i have like five speeding tickets in my life but literally of the number of times i got pulled over i only have five speeding tickets i've been pulled over so many fucking times and i got out of them and i'm not laughing in like a haha me way i'm laughing because again i'm uncomfortable i'm uncomfortable with the concept that that's not real for everyone and that there is a genuine fucking fear and that fear goes both ways that fear goes both ways from not only the black community but also how fucking scary as police officers that still is no matter what color you are as a police officer that inherent fear is just like that just just the fact that everybody's afraid in that moment upsets me it's not fair Mm -hmm. greg f said an example of white privilege to me is knowing that you're german or irish or polish or anything all any of us black people know is that we are black we are from stolen land and our history was taken from us like literally erased Mm -hmm. and i thought that that was such a meaningful piece to it too because i often when people ask me about myself or where I'm from or whatever based on my appearance, like I immediately tell them I'm Italian because I am. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a little mutt, but I am Italian. You can tell by mm-hmm. looking at me that I am Italian. I can't imagine what it would be like to not know that, to not know and to literally only have, to only have one proper noun to describe my heritage. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so fucked up. Yeah. The enormity of how fucking wrong that is and that people don't understand that and recognize that just leaves me speechless. Yeah. Nobody should have to use ancestry to trace their past or to, like, know a little bit of their past. But it's important to people. Black people have to because so much of their past has just been completely lost or erased. Right. And not only that, not only that, but the fact that it's so easily accessible and identifiable for white people to say, I am German, I am Italian, I am Irish, I am Polish, I am what the fuck ever. The fact that it's so easy for white people to trace that lineage and say, I am this. Really, unless black people go above and beyond in the sense of an ancestry DNA or whatever, which you guys have already heard me say, I have no interest in ever doing that. I don't want my DNA out there. I don't, I have heard fucking horror stories of how that shit is used in ways that it shouldn't be used. Shout out to the Golden State Killer. That's how he was fucking caught. 
I don't like the idea of my DNA being somewhere that I did not sanction it to be. But black people, unless they want to commit to that and commit to their DNA being out there, they have no resource to find out where they came from. If they're Nicaraguan or Nigerian or where they fucking came from, they have no idea. And that's really sad to me because like we've talked about in a previous episode, knowing where you come from is super important in knowing where you're going. There's my philosophical plug, I guess, but at the same time, like, it's true. And also, you should be really fucking proud of yourself for who you are and what you are, like, whatever that means to you. Whatever that means to you, like, unless you're a rapist or a serial killer or some shit, like, don't be proud of that shit. But, like, just normal people should be really proud, like, you should be so fucking proud that you're black or Asian or Hmong or Korean or... Philippine or Hispanic or anything or white like you guys like we should be able to be proud of that but seriously people of other cultures don't easily have access to label themselves as anything other than a fucking distinguishing color that's so fucked up that's so Mm -hmm. fucked up to me that genuinely hurts my feelings like I hate that I hate it because colonization has ruined the opportunity for them and please other white people please don't hear me blaming that on you that's the episode is not about blaming white people as in you or i it is about blaming the royal white people not even in a monarchy way but our founding fathers who have literally constructed our country to only benefit fucking white people liberty and justice for all really meant liberty and justice for fucking white people Mm -hmm. period the slave owners said that shit and they really were like giggling in the background like ha 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 we don't mean our slaves that's not going anywhere fuck that shit that's my position well they didn't mean it when it was created so no you're accurate there (laughs) i know i am fuck that shit and i I just mm, i'm so i feel so passionate about it all right back to my examples of what does white privilege look like so this is the part where i ask you do you have any experiences that stand out to you where you were like this aha moment of fuck this is my white privilege moment no okay i can tell you that my aha moment is the fact that i have never had an aha moment that's fair i've never been in a situation where my race has ever come into play for anything which is a privilege thing Mm -hmm. yeah that's so fascinating and thank you for having that as your definition of white privilege or experience of white privilege your eyebrow your eyebrow for right now is intense i know because i was not in any way prepared for that to be your answer and yet literally that is a fucking answer the lack of a racial experience a racially driven experience for you is an example of white privilege all right so i did write down a couple of examples of what white privilege means to me i did not take it in the my example like my personal example but i'm sure i have some what i really spent more time on was external examples of white privilege and what that looks like to me and i based these on some very common examples some very like common things that are seen like between social media and whatever and just also things i've experienced and heard but not directly to me. So white privilege to me is when a Karen screams, quote unquote, go back to where you came from because that person 
is not only likely an American citizen, but also even if they weren't, you go back to where you came from. You're on stolen fucking land. Yeah, that's the most uneducated thing anybody could say. It is. And yet only white people say it. Only fucking white people say that shit. Like, which is so fucking stupid because again, let's go back to white people are not native to this country. Mm -hmm. We are not the first people here. Stay tuned for a later episode. You came from somewhere else just like that person did. That's like the fifth grade level of insults. You know what I mean? It is. It is. Like, oh, look at her sketchers. Like, it's the same fucking mm-hmm. thing. It's literally like, go back to where you came from. Okay. Good fucking talk, Karen. Mm. White privilege is having quote unquote professional hairstyles, according to a quick Google search, show up as only white people. Mm. But if you Google unprofessional hairstyles, quote unquote, guess who shows up? Only fucking black people. Go Google this. I'm dead fucking serious. You're the Googler, the Googler. Go look. What really gets me when I tried this experiment myself, the very first picture, I can see it. I can see it so fucking clearly in my head. The very first picture was this beautiful black man, beautiful fucking black man in a suit looking so fucking professional. It actually hurt my soul, but he had dreads. And that was why he made the quote unquote unprofessional. Do you know how many white men I know who couldn't look that professional if they literally were thrown up on by a Joseph A. Banks? And yet this black man, beautiful black man, I have shout out to the black man on Google. I don't even know who he is, but this beautiful fucking black man is literally number one return search in Google images for unprofessional hairstyles while he looks literally like a professional god. Like Zeus was like, let's create some professionalism and this man was made. I'm dying over just all these random things, especially (laughs) shout out to the random black man on Google. Who was a creation from Zeus. I just, I'm just, I don't, you guys, I... I need you to hear how much I'm struggling with this because it sounds so fucking stupid when you say it out loud. When you say that these things exist out loud, you're like, no, it doesn't. And then you go look and because I've been there, you doubt your own race as white people. As white people, we doubt that our own race could be so malicious and so malignant and just toxic. Like we doubt that. Have you been in 2020? Until 2020, <laughs> no, I ha- no. Oh, Until man. 2020, this was again. Hello, welcome to my ignorant bubble that has since shattered, and I don't know the concept of life anymore. But seriously, I'm telling you from that ignorant perspective, I sat there thinking, "There's no way that there's no way." So I do these fucking stupid ass like google searches of like go check this out i guarantee you that this i guarantee you that white is good and black is bad Mm -hmm. right and i'm like no way there's no way people are better than that people as a whole are better than that and then guess what i go to google and the gorgeous black man who is the epitome of professionalism is on the unprofessional page because he has dreads why? Why are dreads unprofessional? What about that is unprofessional? White privilege is taking your child to the store and finding dolls or action figures that look like your child while a child of color might have two options, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's white privilege. Yeah. So the next time that you're at Target or Walmart or Meyer or Costco or wherever the fuck you get your children's toys, check out those toys. If there are toys 
that don't look like your kids. Love that news. White people need less toys of fucking white people. Mm-hmm. Buy your kids some toys of colored people. Give your children role models of other colors. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay. It's okay that I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm just saying that's another example. White privilege is all of the leading actors or actresses of more than 80% of shows and movies being white. Mm -hmm. There's always like the quirky sidekick who's black, but fuck that. Fuck that. Why can't the black guy be the hero? Mm -hmm. Why can't the black woman fucking take over the world? Like, why can't they? That's not even a rhetorical question. The answer is because subliminally, white people need to continue to assert their dominance and remind black people they're beneath them. That's not my position. That's not your position. But our society, the systemic racism that is our society, that's why. I think a big thing there too is Hollywood thinks that society can't see or like white people can't see themselves reflected in black people because of skin color yeah which is so fucking stupid taraji p henson is literally my fucking hero she's my spirit animal i genuinely feel her goodness and power and beauty in my soul and i am a white woman i deeply resonate with taraji p henson there's nothing wrong with that like one of my favorite characters ever was Pusey in Orange is the New Black. I do love Pusey. And like I felt like I related to her so much in so many different levels and her skin color didn't matter at all to me. It was all about her character. Which I think and is then really I cried. Oh yeah, when she oh, spoilers. died. Spoilers. We cried, so we watched that episode together and we both like sobbed our fucking faces off. Like I will never forget that day. And that was honestly that was before my awakening. It was. It I was still in a very ignorant bubble and I still understood what happened to her was wrong Mm -hmm. which i'm not i'm not justifying like my ignorance but at the same time that that's one of the pieces that distinguishes like ignorance from pure racism like racism would be like to somebody taking the position that she deserved that or her death didn't matter or it wasn't moving and it wasn't powerful and it wasn't making a statement and all of that shit that's racism but ignorance is just not knowing how real that fucking trauma to a very specific group of people is Mm -hmm. but i appreciate from your perspective you sharing with us and saying how deeply you resonated with puse's character and her skin color in your experience watching the show did not deter you from resonating with her and connecting with her because I think the overall fact here is we're all fucking human Mm -hmm. which isn't me dismissing anything it's not we we are all different but we should be celebrating those differences what we all have in common is the fact that we're human that's the common denominator but beyond that we're all so different and we're all so beautiful in our own ways embrace that a rainbow is beautiful because it's unique and yet every single time you know it is going to be red orange yellow green blue and violet Mm -hmm. you know that and without every single one of those colors the rainbow would not be complete we really need to i did just in fact give you a fucking first grade analogy because that's exactly what i told tiny when i started talking to her about racism and teaching her that being colorblind is wrong Because who wants to look at a rainbow from a black and white perspective? Mm -hmm. Nobody. It's not a fucking rainbow then. So we as white people need to stop saying I don't see color. It's not true. We do. And we should see every single color. 
People of every single color deserve to be seen that way. My last example of white privilege that I think is so important that I just really, really, really want to stress. This one pisses me off on every single level of my soul. White privilege is the fact that Brock Turner served six months in jail after being convicted by DNA evidence of brutally raping a woman behind a dumpster. Oh, you mean the rapist Brock Turner, the rapist? The rapist Brock Turner, the rapist. And yet, the Central Park Five served between six and 14 years in prison for crimes that not only did they not commit, there was absolutely zero DNA evidence to support. Five young men served between six and 14 years for something they had nothing to fucking do with. Mm -hmm. And Brock Turner, who was red-handed caught, served six months. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, if I leave you with anything to prove that white privilege is real and it exists, please take that as fucking evidence. And I rest my case. Because there's no fucking excuse for that. And if you don't know what the Central Park Five is, I highly recommend watching When They See Us. It is on Netflix. It is fucking terrible, but it's very good. That's what I'm going to leave that at because I challenge you to educate yourself if you don't know what I'm talking about. So before we talk about the next part of this piece that I think is really important and that I really want to get into, what did you learn here today? Let's start with that. What did you learn here in this conversation a lot (laughs) all of it kind of overwhelmed (laughs) it is overwhelming it honestly is it is overwhelming and to be perfectly fair if you're sitting there like mind blown completely uncomfortable with the level of real shit that you were just spoken to about I get that if you're referring to me I'm not uncomfortable with any of it I'm not referring to you okay Dear listeners. Dear listeners. Sorry for assuming that it's always about me. And yet we love her. I am talking to you as a listener. If you're uncomfortable with the level of real that was just brought to you, honestly, I want to start with saying thank you for being here at this point of the conversation. But also, I want to tell you that it's okay if we just knocked your fucking socks off and you don't even know what reality is at this point. It is okay. Like, I've been there. It's part of this moment where you take the blinders off and everybody experiences that differently. What I want to say and what I think is so important about that is congratulations for taking the blinders off. Mm -hmm. Like seriously. And thank you. Thank you for taking the blinders off. As a, a white ally, I'm telling you that means so much to me. I think what I learned here today is that I have a very hard time talking about white privilege without getting upset. You know, honestly, I just want the world to be a better place for our kids. I do too. For everybody's kids. I do too. I want my babies to love everybody else's babies. I do. I do. So on that though, that was an excellent segue. Cheers to you, love of my life, partner in crime. Totally meant to do that. I know you did. We choreographed that right there. JK, LOL. My next question was going to be for you. My last question for you for this episode is from your perspective and also to share with our listeners, how do we use our white privilege for good? How do we turn this conversation about education into actual action? How do we help even if we stay in our own lane? 
even if it doesn't mean stepping outside of our bubble? How do we help from within our bubble? What does that mean to you? I think the main thing that we can do if you're not comfortable being an activist such as yourself is educating yourself, taking that step forward and really learning exactly what's being talked about, not in fucking Facebook, thank you. There are so many different resources that you can reach out to and learn from available in order to further become enlightened. And really having those conversations with people that have these experiences, I think is a crucial part of it. And if you want to dive into it more, but you don't want to necessarily be on the front lines, quote unquote, you can write your local representatives to um, request an impact of change. That's one of the things that I've done is write our local governors and senators to request changes within our government that are forms of oppression that need to be addressed. And I know it's one voice, but... But your voice matters. Like, really, seriously, it comes down to that. Maybe someday. Yeah, I love that. And thank you for taking that position, especially because even though in this episode I sound like the political one, you guys, I swear to God, I'm not the political one. Allie is the political one. Like, no, you are. Don't make that face at me. Don't fucking make that face at me. You guys, there was a point in my life, and honestly, I still very heavily rely on this beautiful woman where I'm like, someone tweeted this about this. What does this mean? And Allie tells me like, and it isn't because I can't go find the information myself. It's because to a degree, I just don't speak that language. Like, and also I have the Google Air who not only is like a Google search engine, but then she speaks my language. So I'm not the political one here, but honestly, what Allie just said is so stupid fucking important. Fucking research. Okay, first of all, everything Allie said is important. Educate yourself, first and foremost. Not only in the sense of a political position, but just in general. Fucking educate yourself. Don't be content sitting in your whitewashed bubble. Like, don't. There is a whole world out there that has nothing to do with you and your whiteness. Mm -hmm. Go find it. It's fucking beautiful. It It's overwhelming, but it's fucking beautiful. Like, honest to God, it is. So that's important. And then also, to your point, go vote. Go make a difference. in On the political piece, it's so important to vote. And we understand that this episode is coming out after the presidential election, which sucks. Like, it sucks to suck. We suck. We know. But honestly, it's important to vote at every single level of politics. Your mayor, your governor, your senate, your everyone, your congressman, every single level of the system, your judges. Oh my god, you guys, your fucking judges. Your sheriffs, it goes all the way down. It goes all the way down. Your aldermen, everyone. And if you don't know who these people are for you and your community, figure it out. Seriously, figure it out. That's your responsibility as a citizen of this country. It is your right to do that. It is your right to have the information, to understand the information, and to vote from an educated perspective. That is your right. And to be perfectly honest, it's your fucking obligation. Mm. And this isn't even us telling you who to vote for. I'm not taking that position. Mm. I don't care who you vote for, but do it. Yep. And do it from an educated perspective. 
So I do agree. I think that's a huge thing, especially white people need to understand all aspects of that and be educated. Here's another thing that you can do as white people. Stop relying on your black friends and your brown friends to fucking educate you for yourself. Stop it. Don't do that. Don't fucking do that shit. Don't ask your black friends to educate you. Don't ask your Hispanic friends to teach you what this means. Don't fucking do that. They're tired. They're fighting their own fucking battle every single day that you don't understand because you're white. So don't fucking ask them to teach you about their struggles and their life. Just pay attention. Just fucking read a book. Just step out of your fucking bubble. And if you have questions about the things that you're learning, I'm confident that they would appreciate you asking those questions for clarification. But don't go to them saying, hey, what was Tulsa? Tell me about that. Don't fucking do that. Essentially what you're saying is show actual effort. Yes. Don't rely on them to spoon feed you the information so that you can claim wokeness. Mm -hmm. I don't even like that word. Don't do that. Do it yourself. Take it upon yourself. And the reason I say that, the reason I'm so fucking passionate about white people educating themselves is because every single citizen of this country that was raised in the American education system knows your fucking history. They didn't have a choice. They had to learn your history and their history. And their history was taught at home only. On that note, educate your kids. Educate your children. What you learn and what you take away from those educations, water it down for them. Make it age appropriate. Talk to your kids about loving everybody. Racism is taught. We are not born with this innate feature that makes us hate people that look differently or speak differently or feel differently or think differently. All of those are conditioned behaviors. Teach your kids to respect people. Teach your kids to celebrate people of every single color. Teach them relentlessly. Have this conversation all the time. And for anybody who says, oh, well, my child is so young. I don't know how to have that conversation with them. They're not ready to experience racism. They're not, they're not ready to learn about racism. Ask your black friend at what age they started experiencing racism. If a child is young enough to be experiencing racism, your child is young enough to learn what it is. The other part of it too is this is it can be as simple as, like you said, exposing them to um, toys or books mm -hmm. of different characters of different color. That's one thing that I noticed when looking at our library for Moose, that there was a lack of diversity and now there's not. I love that now there's not. And you know what? The fact that previously there was a lack of diversity isn't 100% your fault. It's literally what's available. It's what's out there. I mean, they don't really make a lot of skin tone colored narwhals. <laughs> so Moose is on to narwhals right now, just so everyone knows. We only had like two books with actual people in it and actually the baby love science books mm -hmm. um have kids of color in them i absolutely love that news yeah. oh i absolutely love that news for people who have children who are just a little bit older but honestly this book you guys i fucking swear by this book the book says five and up because it is a real concept but at the same time they do such a good job of making it accessible for anyone i i honestly think that anybody could read this book to their children 
children, but a kid's book about racism for children or for very immature adults, it doesn't really matter. This book is amazing. Like this book is so good so unbelievably good. And I genuinely appreciate the way that this book helped me have these conversations with Tiny because there is a level of racism that I don't feel comfortable educating her on at seven. But it doesn't change the fact that I want her to know what racism looks like. It doesn't change the fact that I want her to know that this exists. It doesn't change the fact that I want her to know that we celebrate people of every single color. And this book honestly helped me get over the hurdle of how to talk to her about that. So hats off to a kid's book about that's the brand and then they have a bunch of different books. I love all of their books and they're all written by subject matter experts. So you're not getting a book that's like written by one person for every category. Mm -hmm. They're they're literally the man who wrote a kid's book about racism is a mixed man and he talks about what that means to him and and why being different is so beautiful and what racism means to him and it's just it's so good right and then the feminism book is different and the empathy book is different and the money book is different and I could go on for days but check this out they are amazing educate your fucking kids that's on you on that same point teach your kids about white privilege have the child version of this conversation I kind of feel like we're having like we're having an adults podcast about racism. That's what this conversation is, mm -hmm. right? But teach your kids about white privilege. Teach them that they have it. Teach them what it looks like. I don't foresee white privilege going away as much as I would like it to, probably in our lifetime. Maybe by the time that Tiny and Moose are our age, maybe white privilege won't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. But in our lifetime, it's not gonna go away. Yeah. I think it's so important to teach your children in this lifetime, what white privilege is and what it looks like and to do the things that we are saying, not because we said them, but because they're the right thing to do on how to utilize that white privilege for good. Teach your children how important it is to be educated about other people and other cultures. Teach your children that it's important to see politics and understand what they are and that they are not above voting. Like it's important, teach them that. Mm -hmm. I looked at my phone because when you said you don't see it going away as quickly as you would like it to, Star Trek actually did an episode in Deep Space Nine, which Commander Sisko is black, mm -hmm. and he's, the episode is a twist where he's like unconscious or in another world. Basically, he's another character and he's not sure if Sisko is in his mind or if Sisko is real. Mm -hmm. He's an author and the author is imagining Cisco. Okay. He's a black author back during the civil rights movement. And the idea of a black author was more insane than the science fiction than the black <sighs> author was writing. It's an amazing episode, actually. I was going to suggest you watch it, even though it's Star Trek. Even though I don't really do Star Trek. Because you would love it. Like it I believe is, you. It's so good. I'll watch it, but only with you. Okay. Okay. Then I get like partial credit, but also I'm not committing to Star Trek because I'm only watching it with you. It's by far one of the best Star Trek episodes. You're one of the best Star Trek episodes. It's called Far Beyond the Stars. I don't know. Whatever. The fact that you know the title is literally my favorite. Like you are I so just adorable. Saw it the other day. <laughs> We're on like our 70,000, 70,000 rewatch. I don't know. 70 bajillionth.
on the piece of teaching your kids, allow them to experience culture, allow them to do things, invite the kids of other colors to birthday parties, like be inclusive, but also let your kids experience inclusivity, allow that Mm -hmm. and also do it for yourself, like obviously, but seriously, that's a big deal. Also in that, show up for people, show up for people. And just listen sometimes. You don't always have to have an answer. Nobody's asking you sometimes as a white person for your input. And unless they are asking you outright, dear Allie, what's your input? Don't offer it. Mm -hmm. People of color don't need you to fucking save them. They don't need us as white people to have an answer for them. What they need is for us to just chill the fuck out. That's, That's it. I'm not even saying like take a back seat. I'm not even saying like bend over. I'm not saying bow down. I'm not saying that because the black community is not saying that either. That's not what anybody wants. All they want is equity, which is not the same as equality. And honestly, at this point in this episode, I'm so riled up. I'm so, this is so serious to me. If you don't know the difference between equality and equity, go find it. Go look that up. I am dead ass serious. After you have Googled the professional versus unprofessional and you've seen the most beautiful man, then Google the difference between equity and equality because they are not the same thing. Listen to learn and not to respond. I think that's really where I was going with that. People of color know what they need. They know how their lives look. They know what they want. Just allow that. You don't have to have an opinion. You don't have to have an answer. Just let them be. And again, if they need help, they'll ask for it. But it's very unlikely that they're going to ask for it because as a whole, they've never gotten support from white people in our culture. So also, if you're a white ally now, today in 2020, please don't be offended if black people don't trust you, recognize, because your motives, although are well intended, at the same time, these people have been abused and berated and betrayed for 450 fucking years by white people. That's not your fault, but at the same time, we have to be aware of that. We have to be conscious of that. I think the last thing that I want to say about how we utilize our white privilege is to hold other white people accountable. If you have a racist fucking uncle who makes racist fucking jokes that thinks giving dinner, tell him to shut the fuck up. Don't ignore it. Don't pretend it's funny. Don't brush it under the rug. And if it causes conflict in your family, it causes conflict in your family. Mm -hmm. Like a conflict in my family is pretty minor for me on the scale of what's morally correct. Yeah. I would rather deal with a disagreement between my family members than going home thinking, fuck, I totally violated my moral compass. Mm -hmm. Shit. I don't have a racist uncle, but in my example, my racist fucking uncle is going to go home and feel embarrassed as hell that he got called out at Thanksgiving dinner. And I'm going to go home thinking I did what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I stood up for it. And on the flip side, if I didn't, He goes home thinking everybody thinks he's hilarious and he's going to study up on some more racist fucking jokes. And I go home being a miserable pile of shit, knowing that I completely abandoned everything that I stand for for myself and my child. Mm -hmm. So don't do that. Shut it down. It's not funny. And it's not just the jokes. It's anybody who utilizes a certain dialect or an accent to describe the way that people of other races speak. 
that's racism. There are a million bajillion examples that we could get into, but just shut it down. And you don't have to be an asshole about it. Nobody's saying like start World War III over a fucking racist comment at Thanksgiving. That's not what we're here promoting. Just say, hey, that's not fucking funny. That's racist as fuck and move on. Because what's the response to that? No, it's not. Okay, cool. But I'm telling you it is. So move on. Like, It doesn't have to be this all-out brawl. Support businesses run by people of color. Be a good friend. I mean, you guys, that should be common sense, and yet for some reason it's not. So this is me saying check on your black friends, check on your brown friends, check on your Hmong friends, check on your Muslim friends, check on your Jewish friends, check on your fucking friends, okay? Check on everybody. I swear to God, because especially in 2020, shit's fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy everywhere. Check on your people. Like, just be a good friend. Just be a good fucking person. Throw it out there that you're checking on people of color. Like, maybe they're not even your friends. In that sense, if this is important to you the way that this is important to us, be that person who pulls over when you see a black person or a Hispanic person pulled over by the cops. Just pull over. Just do it. Maybe nothing is wrong. Maybe something is. It doesn't really matter. Your presence being there will mitigate the situation to a degree that can't even be explained. So just do it. So what? It might be five minutes out of your day and maybe it was a waste, but you have no idea what that would mean to a person of color. No idea. If your white ally senses are tingling, just fucking do it. Just do it. That's what I wanted to share with all of our listeners, but specifically for this episode, our white listeners. That was heavy, guys. (laughs) It was heavy. I have some point of references. I have some pieces, uh, just super quick content that you can check out if you are interested in broadening some horizons. Um, As far as music, some people resonate very deeply with music. We are those people. Mm -hmm. Allie and I are those people where music speaks to us louder than anything. I highly recommend Dear Black Sun by Brother Ali. That song makes me cry every single fucking time I listen to it. And really what I challenge you to do if you're going to listen to that song, put yourself in the position of being that parent. It doesn't matter what color you are. Put yourself in that position of having that conversation with your child and just really sit with that. And if you can fucking walk away from that song not feeling anything, I actually would question if you have a soul. Another one, shout out to my guy Mo. Again, he helped me so much with this episode. He has a song. It's on YouTube and iTunes. It's called Which One? by Mo White. It is honestly such a banger. Like, it's amazing. I fucking love that song. I listen to it at least 40 times a day. I love it. It's so powerful. I get goosebumps. Love, 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 love. Another one being I Can't Breathe by H-E-R. Um, some books that I recommend are Great Small Things by Jody Picoult. I read this book like five years ago and honestly, it changed my life. This book was the cornerstone of my awakening. So highly recommend. Have you read Great Small Things yet? I don't think so. I will get it to you. It is, it's literally my favorite book. That and Storyteller. She's my favorite author, but Small Great Things is my all-time favorite book. For anybody who is interested in understanding criminalization in this country, aka the new slave trade, The New Jim Crow is a really good book. That is by Michelle Alexander. And I go back to a kid's book about racism. I think it's appropriate for all ages to be perfectly honest, but 
there is some content in it that is a very adult subject. So I don't think it would be hurtful to to read it to younger children, but children who might have questions, like be prepared to answer those questions. And some movie references that I think were really important are The 13th on Netflix, The Help, and also The American Son, which is also on Netflix. Again, there are like a bajillion of resources that you could use, but I just wanted to throw a couple out there because here you are listening to this episode and maybe you weren't sure. So those are just some of the pieces that I think are really important. All right. So I know that this episode was not our typical bubbly banter, but seriously, you guys, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you sticking with it and listening and how important this is to me, how important this is to us, and genuinely how important this is to the future of our country. Like, that sounds so melodramatic, but it's not. (laughs) I swear to God, it's fucking not. And truly, it's taboo because nobody calls you out on it except for other races And when other races do it, your white privilege overrides and says, that's not real. I don't have, I don't, that doesn't apply to me. So as two white women who love you and who are so grateful that you're here on our podcast, please hear us say it is important and it does apply to you. And on that, I guess we start our outro because I'm not sure how else to do it. I'm not, I'm just so, I'm so emotional right now. Like, you guys, I have my hands on my fucking head. I never sit like this. I'm just like, I can't even contain how much emotion I'm feeling right now and how passionate I am about really seriously equality and justice. I think what Celeste is trying to say in a lot of words is, is thank you for hanging around on this extremely serious subject. Like we said in the beginning, the podcast has been relatively lighthearted in its beginnings but that's not the intent of this podcast at all times we want to get into the serious things we will bring levity into it obviously there was levity here too i mean i exist so there's levity (laughs) (laughs) Allie's here don't worry about it and also you guys for one second got to hear me be like the adult in the conversation so it's not a pair of pants that i wear often so you're welcome well, we're also not here to handle you guys with kid gloves. No. So. No. Welcome. And welcome to taboos. Welcome to taboos. And I think on that, it's important to understand like taboo culture is so much more than body modifications and ghost stories and admitting that we're serial killer fascinados. Like it's all of the shit that we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. So Allie's right. Thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all of it. Like, seriously. And we're going to come back with more funny episodes, but... No Fucks November, isn't it? No Fucks November is really not it. It's really not, you guys. So, love you. If you can't deal with No Fucks November, see you in December. Looking forward to that, too. On that note, if you want to help support this crazy thing we have going on, we do have our Patreon started and there are a few different tiers with cool things happening. Shout All out to the Cal. Things. Shout out to Cal. Our first Patreon. Love you, Cal. We appreciate you. She took a shot with us. Just kidding. That's what the tier is called. Guys, I barely talked this episode and my throat is killing me. 
I dominated the conversation not only because I'm stupid passionate about this, but also Allie's hurting. So someday I won't be dying. Same with the witchcraft episode. Otherwise, if you want to get in touch with us on our socials, reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook. What else do we have? We have an Instagram. Oh, we have an Instagram. There's email. There's website. <laughs> Just go find us. I'll tell you what they are. I, I got this. I got this covered. I'm still emotional, but I got this covered. Our email is taboospodcast at gmail.com. That is T-A-B-O-O-Z-E podcast at gmail.com. Our Instagram and Twitter handle is taboos the pod, and on Facebook we are just taboos. I highly, highly, highly encourage you to share our podcast with anybody who might enjoy our silly episodes or anybody who might benefit from hearing our kind of serious episodes. And by kind of serious, I mean very fucking serious. Honestly, that is the biggest way you can support us. Share us with whomever you think might enjoy us. Yes. Also, as or part of hate us. Or, or who Whatever. would hate us. We don't mind that either. Also, in tandem with the shares, anybody who has the opportunity to review us on their streaming platforms, that's also a huge deal. There's like some crazy fucking gnomes in the algorithms that like then go out and grab other listeners who might like us. So let's make the gnomes do their thing. So we love you guys. We do love you. Please don't allow my one episode of being in serious mode deter you from believing that i love you i love you guys so much (laughs) and on that note do you be taboos Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.